The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the Read to Lead podcast, episode 347. Working here, what is the pebble in your shoe? What is that thing that you go home at night and you complain about that you wish we would fix? Hi, I'm Jeff, and welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. This is the podcast that's dedicated to your personal and professional growth. And we are just about four weeks away from another perfect year, a year without a Tuesday missed for over, I think, three years now by the end of this year. Keep your fingers crossed. We can do it. (laughs) I'm here because I believe that if you want to achieve true success in your business and in your life, then intentional and consistent reading is a habit that you need to develop. So much so that I'm writing a book about it. You may have heard a bit about that. The Read to Lead podcast is going to help you not only narrow your reading list, but bring you key insights and valuable ideas from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. Today's author is definitely an inspiring one. In just a few minutes, we'll sit down together with Mr. Brian Sanders as we dive into his book, Leadership Endurance. I'll be asking Brian to share about uh, the fact that though leaders are made, not born, there is a certain leadership DNA required for effective leadership. What we can learn about leadership from studying the relationships between people like Lincoln and Grant, why Brian spends a few minutes each morning talking to himself and lots, lots more. Speaking of that book that I'm working on since we last spoke, I have learned of the official release date for my book, and it's going to be a little earlier than I anticipated. We were thinking fall of 2021. It's just the tail end of summer now, August 31st of 2021, about nine months from now. I am extremely excited to get this book in your hands. If you're not on my mailing list and want to be updated as the publication of the book draws near, be sure and join my mailing list. You can do that by going to readtoleadpodcast.com and entering your name and email address in the form on the upper right of the page. Again, that's readtoleadpodcast.com. Brian Sanders is the Executive Vice President of Positive Alternative Radio in Blacksburg, Virginia, and oversees their five brands. His passion for leadership is evident in his pursuit to learn from some of the greatest leaders in history and to bring those lessons to life in our present day. Some of those leaders reflected on the cover of his book, people like Lincoln and Grant, FDR, Churchill. He's here today to share some of those lessons, lucky for us. That book I referenced is called Leadership endurance mr sanders brian if i can call you that welcome to the read to lead podcast thank you jeff it's an honor to be here and the reason why i pursue one of those greatest leaders is because i am not one of them let's just get that clear okay (laughs) well and i like uh though that despite that you didn't let that hold you back from from writing about all the lessons that you've learned some failures some successes and sharing those to make the rest of us better so thank you thank you sir very kind Well, uh, something you tackle early in the book, and I want you to address this here if you don't mind, is how your book, Leadership Endurance, differs from most other leadership-focused books. 
Most leadership books tell you how to be a leader, the things you need to do to be a leader. What I try to write about, because I have significant struggles, uh, I have a speech defect and I'm in radio. Mm. I have a stutter. I have a stammer. I was in speech therapy for a number of years. I still have it. Uh, I'm able to avoid certain words uh, and that helps me. And I'm a very large man. I have been a part of two gyms and both gyms shut down. Mm. Uh, so that's not encouraging for a guy who's trying to lose weight. Uh, you know, you go there and you shut the gym down. Um, so, and I, and that breeds all of these insecurities. It breeds all these fears. And so the book was really written for me. I'm being honest. It, It was written for my heart and it's really how to give your heart hope as a leader, how to last. And so I started reading about Lincoln, Lincoln, they kept scissors and knives away from him because he wanted to commit suicide. Grant struggled with alcohol. Churchill struggled with alcohol. FDR fought World War II from a wheelchair. So I started reading about these guys. I'm like, listen, if these guys can do that, (laughs) then I can endure whatever I'm facing. And so I started reading about them, studying what made them tick and what made them endure. So that's what the book was written for. It was written for me because leaders are often portrayed as tough and strong, and we are. But also when you go home at night and you lay your head on your pillow, it's like, oh, I hope I got that right today. So that's why I wrote the book, and that's the focus is to help you last as a leader. As a person who reads and spurts appreciate the short chapters, most chapters are two or three pages. Uh, I should mention that the book is divided into four sections. Section one uh, is the basics of leadership. Uh, Brian writes section two, the principles of leadership. Section three, team principles. And section four, critics and criticism. And then section five, overcoming uh, failure. Most of my questions are going to come out of the, uh, the first uh, third to first half of the book, Brian, but we'll give you a chance to Put a nice little bow on it at the end, if you will. Okay. Uh, you say that leaders are made and not born. I don't disagree with that. Yet, uh, certain leadership DNA is needed. What then makes up this mysterious DNA? <laughs> I think it's common sense. You should be able to make certain decisions without data. So if you have to have a three-page thesis <laughs> for every single decision that you're going to make, you will fail. This is DNA as well. The ability to see the whole chessboard. And if you don't play chess, I just can't explain it. Or, <laughs> or let me say this. You have to see the whole war. You just can't see the role that your particular troop will play in a battle. You have to step back, look at the whole war and how this thing is going to progress. And if you can't do that, you probably can't be a great leader. You also need to be able to get along with people. If you don't like people, don't be a leader (laughs) because you're going to make yourself miserable and you'll also make other people miserable. Mm. Uh, You need to see the potential in others and extract it from them, not by commanding them, but by inspiring them. Well, uh, there is something in particular that you mentioned that every leader, that you feel every leader needs. It has to do with relationships. Can you can you talk a bit about that? You need to have the 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 ability to cultivate great relationships. Lincoln had Josh Speed. Grant had John Rawlings. I could go on and on and on. I have Kayla Sanders, who's my wife. Mm. 
I have Stan Watts, who is my best friend. You need someone who can speak truth to you, who can speak hope to you, who can help you see the world rightly. Grant's wife wrote him letters almost every single day telling him that she believed in him and that she loved him. How much more effective as a leader would you be if you had somebody in your corner who maybe once a week said, hey, I believe in you and I got your back. Uh, The night Lincoln was shot, they took him to the house across the road and they took his uh, jacket off of him. Lincoln dies and they start going through his pockets. In his jacket pocket, they find seven newspapers folded up to a certain section and they're all editorials. And every page is folded to where when you pulled it out of the pocket, you could see it. And every editorial was saying Lincoln was doing the right thing. Mm. And he kept those near his heart. That says something to me that even this man who toured battlefields and saw soldiers slain needed some hope that he was doing the right thing. And so you gather people around you who can speak truth to you, but also speak hope to you. Mm. Now, keeping with that, that theme, uh, what might we learn about leadership, Brian, by, by studying the relationship between Lincoln and Grant specifically? Grant was an alcoholic. Lincoln took a big risk on Grant. Grant's alcoholism was so bad that he had to resign from the army. Grant ended up working in a store up in Ohio. The war came calling again. And so Grant reenlisted with with his best friend, John Rawlings. It was Rawlings' job to help keep Grant sober. Mm. Grant starts winning battles. Lincoln sees that. And he says, that's who I want as the general of the entire army. Some different senators came to him and said, sir, Grant has a problem with whiskey. Mm. Lincoln says, tell me what kind he drinks. And the senator says, why? Lincoln says, because I want to ship some to every single general who works for me (laughs) so that they'll be as effective as Grant is. Wow. Lincoln was willing to overlook a flaw or to give a chance to a person who had a flaw so that they could be successful and help advance Lincoln's mission. So for us, here's the thing. You're never going to find a perfect person. You will hire flawed people and you have to decide, can I live with that flaw? And are they so good at what they do? Yeah, I can live with that. Because they make us better. That is a significant thing you can learn from that relationship. Mm. Well, Brian, share a bit about your habit, your personal habit of, of talking to yourself most mornings. What's that about? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know he was going to ask all these personal questions. Uh, okay. Um, I have a speech defect. I live in Blacksburg, Virginia. I'm surrounded by people who have... PhDs in this town because this is where Virginia Tech is, mm-hmm. and it's a very much an engineering town. I'm a guy who has a bachelor's degree in, in, in like history and English, stumbled into radio. Identify with that. <laughs> and, and I fell in love with it. I have to remind myself, trying to want to be this vulnerable, oh, well, let's go with it. There's just be a million people that hear this. Uh, I have to remind myself that Brian isn't the biggest idiot in the world. Mm. Now, that may not be anybody else's problem. There are people who are listening to this going, well, Steve Jobs didn't think he was an idiot. Well, let me say this. Jobs was a jerk, and that had to come from some type of insecurity somewhere. Mm. So 
in my iPhone, in the notes app, there's a note that says the gospel according to Brian. (laughs) And I tap on that every morning and it tells me things like I am called to this. Uh, I am equipped to do this. Um, I have, I have been a success in the past. And even when I have failed, I, I, I have been able to, to write the ship. Uh, and it has those types of things in it because as a leader, you're going to go into the day and you're going to face stuff that's going to make you doubt every single thing that you believe or that you are equipped to face. Mm. And so I remind myself that I have skills, I have talent, I have a calling so that I can face those things with confidence. Why do you believe, Brian, that all effective leaders are readers? Harry Truman said, all leaders are readers, but not all readers are leaders. Mm. Leaders must learn from the failures of others so that they can avoid them. Go read presidential biographies. Go read books about the war between Sega and Nintendo. Mm. Go read uh, Barbarians at the Gate about Nabisco. Go read any number of different business stories. Learn how Jobs failed at Apple and then how he came back. Because you're going to face not the exact same thing, but similar circumstances. And then in your life and then in your decisions, you will have a reservoir of knowledge that you can draw from that hopefully you won't repeat those same mistakes. And leaders and organizations need to remain nimble and shapeable like wet clay on a potter's wheel. Mm. And while you're reading and while you're learning, you are on that potter's wheel. We are tempted at some point to say, all right, I have read enough. I have learned enough. And then you take yourself off of the potter wheel and you put yourself on the shelf to be adored. (laughs) After a few years, you start to crack and get dusty, and you become useless. But if you stay on the potter's wheel, where you're always learning, and yet you can be shaped, you can be useful to to others and to the organization. Mm. Yeah, that speaks to me so much, and I've shared the story a number of times here on the show about you know leaving college and believing that my learning was now done. I was finished with that. I could set you know reading and learning and all that sort of thing aside. And, and when I started this podcast, it was really an attempt to speak to that person who had made that same decision and was regretting it and wanted to get back into learning on a regular basis. And and while many of my listeners are individuals like that, by and large, I find that the kind of person who listens to this show is that leader who's already experienced success, however they might define it. But they understand the value of staying on the wheel that you talked mm-hmm. about, and they listen for that for that reason. So that really that really spoke to me when you when you shared it. Tell me a bit more about what you call amnesty time. Uh, what is that exactly? This is something that I learned from uh, Jack Welch. I'm a Jack Welch fanboy. I'm an <laughs> addict. Uh, he just passed away just a uh, few years ago. He was the uh, CEO of uh, General Electric for about 30 years. And yet in that 30 years, GE never took a loss. And I'm like, okay, I could learn something from him. <laughs> and Welch practice amnesty. So here at PAR, what I do is once a quarter, I'm the EVP. 
I will go to teams and I will sit down and I will just warm up the room. We will talk about celebrations. I will get that team talking. I will get them engaged. And then I will say this. For the next 90 minutes, you can say whatever you want to me and you will not be fired. But I want you to be honest and I want you to be real. And I start asking questions like working here. What is the pebble in your shoe? What is that thing that you go home at night and you complain about that you wish we would fix? Now, this didn't happen overnight, but we've been doing this now for 10, 12 years. They trust me. And so I trust them and they share. And so for about 90 minutes, they get real and they tell me the things that that, that they don't like and we address <laughs> them and we fix them. Then we move on because I don't need to live in an ivory tower. Somebody has to tell me that the baby is ugly <laughs> because as a leader, we all fall in love with our businesses. But somebody has to tell us that there are ugly spots so that we can address it. So amnesty time helps me realize that we still have work to do. And so we address it and it creates a better culture and it makes the employee happier and they are the number one asset. Mm. And if they are happier, well, then we produce a better product. Brian, what might be a sign or maybe signs, if you want to mention several, that you're just not cut out for leadership. <laughs> if my dad was here, he'd say, that you're an idiot. Uh, <laughs> I would say two things particularly. One is that, is that you make it all about you and not your team. Hmm. If it's all about you, if it's all about your comfort, if it's all about your happiness, get out of leadership because you're going to go home miserable some <laughs> nights. But it has to be about them. So secondly, because you lack passion for, for the mission. Every day I wake up, I cannot wait to continue to pursue our mission, mm. to inspire people, to create these experiences, and to make my team better so that they can do that. I still love to do that. <laughs> and the moment that you don't have that, you got to get out because then it's a job. What about the uh, something you call the pain of leadership? There's a good side of pain, too, you say. Can you expound on that? Yeah, this is something that a lot of leaders don't like to talk about uh, because it makes them feel weak. But leadership is often painful. I mean, we have to fire people. We have to lay people off. We have to cut salaries. We, we have to take risk. Uh, but at the same time, it's a joy. It's a calling. I love what I do. But you have to be realistic and say, yeah, that there's pain here. So and it's lonely and it is isolating and it's stressful and it can expose all of your insecurities and people will often betray you and they'll leave and they'll try to become a competitors of yours. And also you'll fail, but you have to learn from all that. That's the good side of pain. You can't waste the pain. You have to learn from the budget talks. You have to learn from these different betrayals. What warning signs did I not see? How can I hire better moving forward? That is the good side of pain is to learn from it. Don't get bitter. Mm. Don't get angry. And don't take it out on your team. Learn from it and be a better leader and make the organization better. That's the good side of pain. Mm. And one of your philosophies is to fear comfort. Uh, to actually create opportunities 
for discomfort. I was really drawn to this. Why, why, why do you say that? Um, comfort creates laziness. Laziness makes you stagnant. Stagnant leads to failure. That's my Yoda thing. So there you- <laughs> What actually then does creating opportunities for discomfort look like? Take a risk. Take a risk on a product. Take a risk on an idea. Your team brings to you ideas. Let them run with it. If you bring an idea to me, you will probably get assigned that idea. You have a passion for it. Let's do it. Run with it. And yet we will equip you with just everything you need to do it, but run with it. And then we will see how successful we, we are. But you got to take a risk and push your team to take those risks. For us, podcasting into us, buying more signals for us, video, YouTube, those are all risk for us because for a hundred years, we sat in a studio <laughs> and we were broadcast over a transmitter. Mm. Well, now there's all these other different platforms. Those are risk for us. Mm. And so we have to be brave enough to take that risk and then figure out how to measure success from it. And if you don't take a risk, and if you're not currently taking a risk from somewhere, you probably aren't being, being forward focused. Mm. You are probably looking at how do I maintain you, you better look at like how, at like how you can grow, not just maintain. Hmm. Well, Brian, anything else from the book that I haven't covered that you would want to make sure that, that we walk away with or, or know? No, this is that you're not alone. The greatest leaders in the world had weaknesses. They had clay feet. Whenever FDR was about four or five years old, uh, he was out front of the house with his with his parents on a blanket, and he was and he was playing. He turned around and he heard screaming. Coming out of the house was his aunt, who was on fire from a very early curling iron, Mm. and she died. FDR had certain places in the White House, and he had uh, Olympic rings placed over the bed to where he could exercise upper body strength. Because he couldn't walk, he wanted to have enough body strength to drag himself out of any house he lived in in case it caught on fire. Mm. Here's a guy who is giving orders to generals for World War II, Mm. and he is scared about dying in a house fire. That gives you some perspective is that all these leaders have clay feet, and we like to ignore that. Uh, Embrace it. We're all flawed. Embrace it. Realize it's part of, 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 of just who we are. Release yourself from the burden of having to be perfect because you're never going to be that and you'll drive your team crazy. Hmm. Uh, Well, his name again is Brian Sanders. The book again is called Leadership Endurance. It's one I recommend you check out. You can find it on Amazon or wherever you buy your favorite books. Brian, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day uh, to, to do this. I appreciated the conversation and your authenticness and your willingness to go deep and, and share things warts and all. Thank you, sir. It has been an honor and a joy, and um, I will be listening. For more on Brian's book or to connect with Brian online or both, visit the show notes page for this episode, readtoleadpodcast.com slash 347 for episode 347. And as I mentioned earlier, I'd love to be able to communicate with you directly about the release of my upcoming book and also give you a free resource, my 12 favorite business and personal development books, along with what I and many of my guests love about them, why they're in the top 12. You get that free resource when you join my mailing list. Again, go to readtoleadpodcast.com and put your name and email address in the form 
at the upper right of the page. Super simple. Coming up, we'll be diving into books from authors like Jan Benedict Steenkamp, also Shelley Archambault, Dunkin' Donuts CEO for 35 years, Robert Rosenberg, and we finish out 2020 with a chat with prolific author Brian Tracy. All that and more coming up here on the Read to Lead podcast. Until next time, remember, leaders read and readers mostly lead. Lead.